Hi, Pastor Greg here. I am the pastor of the Jordan Assembly of God Church in Montana. You are listening to the live Sunday service that streams most Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you would like to listen to past broadcasts, you can find us at www.agjordanmt.com. You can find links for our live broadcast as well as links to past broadcasts. Look for Jordan Assembly of God Church on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or Spotify. Or if you like to watch the service, you can follow the video links and subscribe to be notified when we go live. We are doing a series on both letters written to the Christians in Thessalonica called Thessalonians. So without further introduction, Thessalonians. So we are starting a new study this week. Um, this Sunday starts our trip through First uh, Thessalonians, this, is, this will be the introduction to it. This is basically going to take us into, um, into uh, Thessalonians and all the stuff that, that, that happened there and talking about God prepares. And so if we'll go into the next one, we finished Colossians. And we're going to now go back in time and talk about First Thessalonians. Okay, so uh, Colossians was written between 60 and 62 A.D. If you feel the rush of wind as we take our DeLorean up to 88.5 miles per hour, 88.9, but you know who's counting. Um, and we go back in time. We're going to go 10 years prior to to be between 50 and 51 AD when Thessalonians was actually written. And the trip to Thessalonica was on Paul's second missionary journey. Now, you may be one of those people who are going to be looking at me and says, Greg, I didn't even know Paul had the first missionary journey. So let's briefly go over the, the, the summary of what happened during the first missionary journey and kind of get a, can get a really brief recap here. Between uh, 46 uh, or 48 AD, we had opposition from Jewish religious leaders. Next one. They were kicked out of Antioch. This was also by the Jewish religious leaders and the community at that area. In Lystra, God healed a paralyzed man. Right? That's awesome. Then, the Jews from Antioch came over, mixed it up with the crowd, and Paul was stoned. Just, just, just a minor thing, you know. People threw rocks at him, you know. Just, I mean, how do you tell a person you don't really don't like them? That's a really good way. Um, and then God healed, and instead of saying, uh, you know what, I'm calling, uh, I'm calling in sick for the rest of my life. He continued on into the ministry. And so after that amount of fun, <laughs> so you might think that this is a really short road trip, right? He traveled 1,400 to 1,500 miles. Okay, that got really nothing. So, so let me put it to, to this one. Jordan, Montana to Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
equals 734 miles, it would be 1,468 miles round trip. It would take you 10.5 hours to drive. Remember, they didn't have vehicles back in that day, so we're talking 10 days to walk. He did it in a little bit of two years, so, you know, quite a little bit of time. So, after that much fun, you can almost imagine how much joy and looking forward to the very next missionary journey is going to be, and one year break, and he's back into it again. So, we're going to talk about how God prepares, how he gives the tools to be able to handle things that we cannot handle tomorrow. Today is the day that you learn the lessons that you learn in order to handle what may happen tomorrow or what may happen the next day. And it's very important to learn those lessons because it gives us the strength to carry that sword. It gives us the strength to stand. It gives us the strength to stand firm then with the breastplate of righteousness, with the belt of truth, with our feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace, with the helmet of salvation, with the shield of faith, and with the sword of the Spirit. How can you stand firm is because God is preparing you. So if you're ever in that time period where you're like, I'm not prepared for this, au contraire. God has prepared you specifically for that time and that instance. Are you freaked out? Probably. Are you having probably a bad day? More than likely. But did God prepare you? Yes, he did. He never, ever, ever sends you into a spot that he doesn't prepare you for. You may not feel like it. What is that song that we sang, uh, The Waymaker? Even though I don't feel it, he's moving. Even though I can't see it, he's still moving. And even when I don't think it, he's still moving. And he never stops moving. So the verse that we are going to be going through today um, at the very start here is Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 16 to start out our morning. And then we're going to head on into prayer and stuff. So... Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house. How would you like to have a street called Straight, by the way? Where do you live? I live on the street of Straight. So at any rate, street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel, mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for bringing us through this week. I thank you, Father, that we can be here together in fellowship and encourage one another. And I pray, Father, that you be glorified in our hearts and in our minds. In your name I pray. Amen. I was doing a funeral as you're, as you're getting into Acts chapter 16, I was doing a funeral, and this guy, very successful guy, he looked very successful. 
um, we got to talking about education. We were like right out there in the foyer. And uh, he said that he fought education so much that, and that he fought against the learning. Remember, we're talking about God preparing. We're talking about learning lessons. And he had fought education so much uh, to the point of almost being expelled. And the principal basically told him, you're either, you, if you do not do something during the summertime, if you do not take the time, instead of having fun, instead of going and spending time with your friends during summertime, what you need to do is you need to study, you need to learn, you need to, you need to start really reading and getting to knowing it. Because unless you actually come back with something that is actually proving the fact that you're actually learning then you're probably going to fail and you're probably going to get expelled from school. You are not doing what you need to be doing. You have completely fought us this whole entire time. And so he went in summer and at first he was like, you know what, I'm not going to do anything that, that my teacher wanted me to do. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to do. And then at some point in time he started thinking about it and he's like, but maybe I should. What if instead of doing what I wanted to do, I chose to do what I was told to do instead of. What if I make a different choice? And so he started to studying, and as he started to studying, he started to love studying, and as he was studying, he was memorizing, and as he was memorizing, he started to learn. And notice the memorization. As he started to memorize it, he started to learn it. As he started to learn it, he got to know it. And as he got to know it, it came from here to here. So that when he went back to school, it wasn't about just head knowledge. He knew the information and he tested and passed. And he said, I am not where I am today without the challenge of my teacher, of my principal, taking the time and saying, listen, this is where you are at. And then I made a choice to do something different. And I learned that memorizing, as much as I hated it, memorization was the key. Learning lessons... It's so very important. And God teaches us lessons through friends, through family, and yes, you guessed it, through even our enemies. You know that person that you find the most frustrating? Yeah, you can learn from them too. But the question is, are you willing to know it, not just know it? Are you willing to memorize it and get it from here down to here? God told Paul all the things that he would suffer. He, he warned him, I'm at all the things that you are going to suffer. We read it when, at the very beginning. And Acts chapter 16 describes some of his second missionary journey. So we went through the summary of the first. That was obviously such a great time that he decided to go into the second, okay? But, so if you, if you look at Acts chapter 16 and verses 11 through 40, describes the trip to Philippi. And Philippi 
is absolutely positively awesome. But let me ask you, have you ever got so annoyed at a person? And if you did, have you ever gotten so annoyed that you actually got them let go from their position? Okay. Verses 16 through 18 of chapter 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaims to us the way of salvation. And this, is she, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Okay, now this sounds like a really, really good thing. And it was for her. But she lost, at that very moment, she lost her position. She lost the job that, that they were having her do. And in verse 19, but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude, verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay. So... Paul frees this girl from however many lifelong of being affected. And absolutely positively gets thrown into prison. Greed and selfishness responded, got them into prison. And then this is his response in verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, I've done this verse several times in the past, in my 11 years of being here. I, I have done this verse several times, and I don't know about you, but I probably, after getting beaten, probably wouldn't be the first thing on my, my lips to sing hymns and praising God. But you have to understand something about Paul. He's already been had rocks thrown at him. So to be quite honest, this is actually kind of a plus, all right? So in comparison to some of the things that he's been through, this is at least... We haven't gone to that level. He is there and he's praising God and they're singing hymns to God and they're, and they're praising God and they're lifting up God. And so God's response, suddenly there was a great earthquake in verse 26, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And it goes on. So let's walk through this, if we would, please. Paul got annoyed, got healed. 
Paul and Silas got beat. God shook the earth. God's light shone in the darkness. In the midst of this despair, people found hope for, for eternity. God prepared Paul, and God was preparing Paul because this was not over. In chapter 17, looking at verses 1 through 9, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But, verse 5, the Jews who were not persuaded, became envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. Now notice that it's really interesting. They, they, they did not do what other people tried to do, and that is argue theology. They went and they grabbed what was evil in order to defend their beliefs. Isn't it interesting that when people are offended about something, they need to actually, they have to go and grab something in order to, to maintain their level of belief and even to such an extent to go and get what is evil to actually defend what they believe. It's, uh, let me just put it to you this way. If in an argument with a person, if you are having to continue to look for things to get angry at or to get mad at, that's a problem with the argument. You might want to step back and take a deep breath and start over. Because you can get into this whole entire Thing where you are a million miles away from your point and you're all the way to the point of getting into argument and to, and to anger and to bitterness and to things that cause so many things. Took some evil men from the marketplace and gathering them up, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to, to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, these who have turned the world upside down, have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of, not the decrees of God, not the Torah, but the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And Paul and Silas, they, they went off, and they went into other areas. And... What this leads into is that after leaving, Paul sends Timothy over while they were in Athens, and then when he's in Corinth, he actually writes 1 Thessalonians from that, that period of time. God's lessons in grace and mercy and love are spoken later in the book of Ephesians. And if you, I'm going to end there. His lessons that he learned. This is lessons that God walked him through. That in the book of Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all 
and through all and in you all. If you move on to the next. God prepares us by showing us how to learn grace by how we treat others, which leads to learning to show love to others, which then leads to being filled with the knowledge of God's desire, with all wisdom and understanding, that we may be witnesses of the love of God through character. If you'll remember in the book of Colossians, and if and if you if you want to, like I said, if you want to go through that series, it was one of my favorite series in uh, in Colossians. But that was one of the prayers that they prayed unceasingly. <laughs> Everybody remembered that one. They prayed unceasingly for the people, so that people would be filled with all the knowledge of God's desire, not your own desire. Do you think it was Paul, uh, Paul's desire to be beaten? No. Not necessarily God's desire to be beaten either. It's just the fact that that's what he walked through. Because God's desire was for people to know him. God's desire is for people to understand him. God's desire is to dig down deep and follow after him. How do we witness to our neighbors? How do we witness to our people? That There's a lot of people that don't want to hear a whole lot of talk, but they will listen to how or watch how you live. I cannot tell you how many times people... Will I mean they they will do whatever they want to, but as soon as a person who proclaims a following of Jesus Christ, as soon as they do something that they're not supposed to, that person's like, "Hey, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you a follower of Christ? You're not supposed to do that. Don't tell me that people don't watch our character." Don't tell me that people don't see how we act and how we do. Your biggest ministry to the people around you is the character with which you show, how you respond, what you say, what you do. And if you're thinking, well, Greg, you got it. No, honestly, I'm walking this path right along with everybody else because everybody has this this portion and everybody's at a different level. This is not about finger pointing time. This is about a me looking at my own nose and thinking, you know what? God's working on me and he's working on you. Why? Because he wants, his greatest desire is for people to get to know him through the love of Jesus Christ. And the way they're going to get to know the love of Jesus Christ is probably by you. You are probably the you might be the only Jesus that people will see. Because you remember, you are the salt. You're light. Jesus said that. Let's walk worthy of the calling. Let's encourage others to walk worthy of the calling. Let's have this journey. Get up, read your Bible, and pray. Greg, you say that as if it's important. It is so important. I cannot tell you how important it is to get into the Word of God so that you are grounded and rooted in the Word, that you may walk steadfast, that you may have that relationship and that you may minister that relationship. I thank God that He walks me through things. And I thank God for His grace and for His mercy. 
And I thank God for the love that he shows me. <laughs> because it helps me to show love to other people. Let's be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for everything that you do in our hearts and in our minds. And I pray, Father, that you be glorified. That we may be witnesses for you. In our area, in our town, in our work, and throughout. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. I hope that you enjoyed it. To follow along with this series, you can go to www.agjordanmt.com and following the links for current and past broadcasts. I hope that you have a wonderful day.